Welcome to Funny as Tech, a podcast about our messy relationship with technology. Today, David and I talk about Trump and Twitter, a Goliath versus Goliath battle. If you have any questions or comments regarding today's discussion, feel free to text or leave us a message at 646-687-6309, and your message might be featured on a future episode. I'm your co-host and comedian, Joe Leonardo, and remotely is... Tech ethicist, David Ryan Polgar, and together we are... Funny as tech. Tech. So, Joe, uh, you know, I think we've got to talk about... Social media, everything going on, I to say that it's a mess, I think, is to, to put it lightly. The battle mm. going on between Trump and Twitter, Trump and Facebook, Trump and really social media in general. I mean, you always ask that the uh, the Internet should go back. You always say the Internet should go back to the way it was, the Wild West. And uh, <laughs> well, I don't know if this is what you asked for. No, but no, no. Well, no, what I was saying, I think you're referring to a recent episode where I was getting at the idea of making the Internet weird again. Right. And this promise. It's weird. It is it's definitely weird. weird. It's gotten, re- it's gotten really <laughs> weird. But one of the promises of the rise of the web in the late 90s was that social media or actually before social media that was that the web would expand free expression that it would lead to this kind of enlightenment type of type of period where where people can uh, express their opinions they can learn more uh, they can be challenged uh, and that's a lot of the discussion that that's going on today because it was that early web that actually informed the most important law that affects social media and and what I'm referring to is, Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act of 1996. It's said a lot of different ways when you hear commentators talk about it. Most times they say Section 230. The reason why I add on uh, the Communications Decency Act of 1996, where it derives from, is because I think it's good to point out that the most consequential law affecting social media companies was written in 1996 in a time of of dial-up, in a time before Facebook, in a time even before Google. At that time, what they were thinking about is that these platforms that were being developed, uh, they they were hosting a lot of user-generated content, right? And they needed the ability to moderate it to a certain extent because what they were worried about in the late 90s was pornography. Uh, you know, pornography always seems to tilt, uh, you know, the, the creation of new laws and the creation of, of innovation, right? Uh but one of the things they were, were thinking about is... For better is, or for worse. For better or for worse. But one of the things they were thinking <laughs> about, Joe, was that they needed to also allow these platforms to not be considered kind of a media company because there's a major, major difference that's being lost in this discussion right now. If you're a media company, you filter and then you post, right? So let's imagine, Joe, that, you're, that, that you and I, we have a media company. If you are the contributor, you're a contributor or a writer or something like that, it's going to go through some type of editorial process. So I get to see that you're not talking about something wild off and crazy, that you're not posting some outrageous photo, that it's not highly offensive, right? So that doesn't have any hate speech, the symbols, the, the photography that you're using. And then we would make the determination, okay, we filtered this. This is good for our company and what we represent. And now we, we publish it. Whereas social media works in the complete opposite for, for the most part, because it's 
publishing, right? And then it's filtering. And that's really when you think about the rise of something like YouTube, the beauty of YouTube was that anybody could post their video. The downside of YouTube is that anybody can post their video, right? So if you are Google that owns YouTube, you're now having to deal with, with such a huge array of, of uh, videos. So obviously you need to moderate that. And that's this area that we call content moderation, which tricky is there's always been a promise that, that tech would solve this, that, that AI would, would solve this. And while there are a lot of, uh, you know, use cases and a lot of companies that offer these, these services to kind of filter out content, they certainly don't work, uh, in the, in the capacity that we we need them to. So you're mentioning this the law from 1996. Yes, I guess that's the most important thing to say about this law. So I'm going to call it the law from 1996. Uh, makes it that uh, the company is not liable for stuff being posted that they moderate in the future. Is that is that a correct way to put it? The correct way to put it is that uh, social media companies have the right. This is important. They have the right but not the responsibility. So basically, when they were creating this in 1996, they needed to say, all right, well, if you're a platform and you want to take down pornography, then you need the ability to do that. Or if you want to take down a certain kind of speech, you need to be able to do that. But at the same time, uh, because of the scalability problem, you, you can't be held liable for everything that gets, gets posted. Again, dramatically different than how we treat a media company. Think about the uh, kerfuffle, if you will, a couple of years ago with Janet Jackson and Justin Timberlake. No, it was that, Nipplegate. Nipplegate. So if you think about Nipplegate, in Nipples, I tell you, they've, they've created uh, the biggest headaches for social media companies because there's always this controversy between the female nipple and the male nipple. And Hashtag how, yeah. free the nipple free on the Instagram nipple. when people yeah. were posting nipples up close. We didn't know deal. if it was a female or a male. Yeah. Well, so the issue is that when they when they had Nipplegate during the Super Bowl, the FCC that oversees these media companies, they you know they they find uh, the, the the media company and they they since hashed that out and they you know there was a big controversy about whether they should have been fined as much as they were, but the the main issue is that uh, the media company they get in trouble if they post something outrageous. So for example, if you're watching the news today and you see some and, and you see like nudity during the day on just like a regular channel, that 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 company will get in a lot of trouble. Whereas the social media company, if if somebody posted some nude picture and then it just appeared, you know, in your newsfeed, the media or the social media company would not get in trouble. And again, that's still based on the idea of filtration, the ability to to filter because the social media company is filtering it after it gets posted. The media company is post is filtering it before it gets posted. And even if we think about this, media companies, they know the danger that they're in with the FCC. So that's why they have the seven second delay. The idea mm. when they do live events, the very reason why you have a delay is because these media companies, they don't want to get in trouble if somebody, uh, somebody does something on air, somebody starts swearing. And a lot of this even comes from... Uh, the 70s, when there there was this uh, uh, suicide uh, on, on air, uh, and it was something like, "Wow, you know, uh, how do we how do we think about the catastrophes that could happen?" And it's the very same issue that 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 
something like Facebook Live is facing. They're saying, now what happens when, when you see a violent act that happens on Facebook Live? If they were considered a media company, uh, Facebook would be would be sued. Uh, so you, know? you, you mentioned you mentioned before about scalability, mm-hmm. and these these companies are very big now. Obviously, Huge. and it's impossible yeah. to moderate everything or to to watch everything that's posted. What are the big issues these companies have? Obviously, scale is one of them. Are yeah. there other issues, or does it mainly come down to them just being so big that? You know, Elizabeth Warren always talks about breaking them up or something like that. It, will that fix the issue or does it require more things? I think it requires more things. It, it, what it requires from, from my standpoint, uh, and again, you know, for disclosure, I, I serve in a content moderation council for, for TikTok. So I see you know, firsthand uh, with social media companies, a lot of these, a lot of these issues. And what full it, disclosure, I scroll through TikTok. <laughs> there we go. Good. So we Every won't have a relationship while I open with, it with and I see TikTok. what the kids are doing and I get scared and I turn it off. <laughs> it is quite quite amazing. You see some some insane creativity. I got to say that. So the future, although, you know, now is a very tra- traumatic uh, time uh, in in American uh, history, uh, I think the future is still bright because you see a lot of, a lot of talent on the horizon. But what I'll say about about how you control these issues Here's where I think a lot of times we get confused, right? And because it frankly is confusing. And I, I want to say this. Here's why you need podcasts, right? Bear with me on this. <laughs> I'm is already that, loving this is that, is that, I love where I this saw, is going. I saw a discussion the other day on uh, Section 230. It was on CNN. And then they go to to the individual, actually somebody who we had on Funniest Tech, uh, Yael Eisenstadt. And, they, and, you know, she's an expert on this area as well. Uh, formerly, uh, you know, election integrity at, at Facebook. Now she's at Cornell Tech. Anyways, they they asked her, they said, all right, you know, explain Section 230. You have 30 seconds. <laughs> and then <laughs> and then they cut back to her and they say, all right, so do you agree with, with, with X, Y, and Z? You've got 15 seconds. That's part of the problem. I got to tell you, I've done a lot of media reach uh, outreach over the years. And the, the issue that always happened is they would talk about a controversy in social media and I would speak to the, the media individual and I'd say, well, a lot of this stems from Section 230. And this is why there's these dynamics under, underneath it. This is what's impacting the content moderation. This is why it's not a, a media company. And usually what their response to me was, what is Section 230? Like, what are, what are you talking about? So my point is part of what's happening right now with Trump versus Twitter and Trump versus Facebook is the general public is getting better educated about the complicated issues beneath this because what has happened is social media is integral to our communication, but we have not created a a proper legal framework to, to think about this and to control this. So for example, we often like to say that uh, Twitter is a public square. And usually when somebody says that, I, I, you know, I, I say that's actually Absolutely not true. And and the reason why, you know, I'm, I'm quite bold about that is because I think that has been a problematic uh, association. And, I'll, and again, uh, stay with me on this one because it is convoluted, right? You have 30 seconds to I've, explain your thoughts I have here. 30, 30 seconds. All right. So we're getting you we, ready for CNN. We like... I'm gonna to have to. I'm gonna take this this 45 <laughs> minutes. I'm gonna put it boom and package in 29 seconds. So we like to say that social media is a public square. You need to back up on that because guess what? 
a public square has a, a legal framework behind it that, that has taken hundreds of years of legal jurisprudence to dictate what the rules are. And let's say just let's stay within the United States. So if you're in a public square, what has happened is it's that whole thing that you learned in high school. You've got the executive branch, you've got the legislative branch, and you've got the judicial branch, right? So basically what you do is you have the legislative branch, they create a law on speech. You know, they might say something like, you can't swear in public. And then somebody might say, gosh darn it. And then they would get arrested. Hey, you swore in public. And then the person says, gosh darn it, it's not a swear word. And then it goes to a court system and the court system determines, well, whether or not that is considered a swear word, what do they mean by this? And the important part there is that what the court system is doing is they're ensuring that everybody, you and me, are treated equally. And a big part of uh, First Amendment uh, law is that they want to make sure that people are not treated in an arbitrary and capricious fashion. Those are words that are used a lot, arbitrary and capricious. And that if a law is arbitrary and capricious, which, which means that I, I have a law and it says no swearing, but I apply it to you differently than I apply it to somebody else, then it seems completely unfair. These are the exact same issues that we're fighting about right now when we're talking about terms of service and community standards. But here's where it gets complicated. A public square, again, has a governmental, you know, backbone and legal framework. So it, so you separate these different checks and balances. The struggle that social media is going through is that they've been transferred this great deal of power of saying you're the public square. So if you're the public square and you're determining appropriate speech, Here's the problem. You then become the judge, the jury, and the executioner. These are the exact issues that everybody's upset about with, with Twitter and Facebook and you name it. They're basically saying, they're, well, there's, well, well, it doesn't have to be, but they're saying. <laughs> it, so it sounds like it's leaning towards some sort of authoritarianism or something. Well, well, here's the tricky part. So what we're fighting about now with Trump and Twitter and Trump and Facebook is yeah. determining what role Twitter and Facebook should have with curtailing any of his speech. And the reason why his executive order doesn't hold any water is because Twitter is a, is a private company and they're actually, they're exercising their free speech. And corporations have a, uh, you know, they, they have free speech. Because and, like, like to use your public square analogy, it's not a public square, it's a private square right. that they allow a lot of people onto, yes. and, but they set the rules. Like, you're on private property mm -hmm. here, we'll let you play around, but we, if you do something crazy, we're going to kick you out. Exactly. Because and Jack Dorsey's like, you're doing something crazy in my public square, so yep. you're, you're even though you're the president, I'm going to like, you know, I'm not going to treat you differently, I'm going to yeah. kick you out. Or whatever, a few parts, block your a few parts to unpack there, because... The First Amendment, it's talking about what, uh, you know, what the government cannot do, what the government cannot curtail, right? So it's not actually talking about private actors. And this is where people get really confused because we like to say that we have a First Amendment right. It's, it's free speech. Well, you have to back up a little bit because with free speech, we're, again, we're usually talking about what the government cannot do to us. In addition, and here's another part that we haven't talked about yet that people are going to, I think, start getting into, is that the our free speech is complicated by the fact that we think of it in two distinct capacities. 
We think about it in a individualistic standpoint and a collectivist standpoint. Great example is, is we like to say you cannot yell uh, fire in a crowded theater. But think about that for a minute. Are you telling me that I can't yell the word fire? Is there something wrong with the word fire? Well, of course, of course not. Of course I can yell fire. So can I yell fire in an empty theater? Perhaps. What is it about a crowded theater? Well, the crowded theater makes it more dangerous for a societal type of impact. Therefore, we're thinking about it in terms of the collective balance. And this is what social media companies are, are fighting over right now, because what is happening is we are looking at one individual speech. And on one hand, we can talk about whether they have free speech and, and you know what their rights are. But then we also have the collective whole. So what is one actor's speech doing to the collective whole? So when you have a cyber bully, right, they are impacting the aggregate speech. Yeah, let, let me, I, this all just made me sad. Oh, no. It, it, <laughs> you, know, should, you know what you said? You know what the sad part is? It's that we'll, we'll, you uh, mentioned, we'll turn it around. you mentioned that we've handed over the power of yeah. the public square to a private entity. And do we as the public need to claim that back? Um, I've, I keep hearing people talking about turning Twitter or turning social media, uh, regulating it like utility. Yep. Right? Um, I think that started as just with the power companies, mm -hmm. with energy before, and it's grown into other things. Do you see that? Uh, do you see social media as a utility? Uh, and these companies should be regulated. It should be the rules of the public. We should have the public square rules in this private space. I think we're adjusting to the fact that we don't have a box for social media, right? So it's the, you know, uh, kind of the idea that you're trying to squeeze something in a box that doesn't really fit into. <clears throat> so a social media company is actually a little bit of a, it's a sprinkle of a public square, it's a sprinkle of a, a media company and it's a sprinkle of a post office, right? We haven't mentioned the post office analogy, but it's something that they were thinking about. And, and how are they doing right now? <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> I thought we we're trying to make me feel better. Here, I'll make you feel better. Let me bring no, up this no, government no, agency it, that's crumbling. I'm telling you. Now I'm telling you, it's going to get better. It's going to get okay, better. It, good. We're just having a little bit of a, of a moment where we're trying I'm to. I'm stuck inside decide. my apartment. I'm in New York City. <laughs> I can't go outside. <laughs> I need some good news. You I'm losing on, my mind over here. Listen, you can go on TikTok, you know. Oh, Lord. <laughs> so so my, my point, though, is that with the post office analogy, this is where part of social media companies were always thinking is that when, when you send somebody a letter, right, there is zero editorial control about this. So if you are thinking of a social media company as just a conduit between or an intermediary, right, between the speaker and the audience, right, you as the re recipient of that message, then there should be no editorial control because the intermediary is, is merely serving as a highway of, of speech, right? And that's one aspect of, of what, they were, what they were thinking about. But what has become complicated is that social media companies in 2020 are actually a weird hybrid mix. And I, and I think we don't always understand this from a media perspective about it as well, is that you have early 90s, uh, you know, and late 90s techno-utopianism, 
So you have a sprinkle of that, right? Because don't Wait, forget what, what, after tech. Can you explain that further? Sure. Yeah. Techno utopianism. Uh, yeah. I've well, never heard the, of this. the very idea of the information superhighway early on in the in the nineties, they were they were really getting into this kind of like kumbaya type of moment. Oh, uh, when and, I hear techno utopianism, I think of the free city in the Matrix, where everyone's <laughs> dancing. <laughs> What's the name of that a, city? Yeah, what was I, it I, called? I forget the name of the city. We got to go back in and watch it now that we, you know, uh, we had the episode talking about Red yeah. Bill uh, for Elon Musk <laughs> exactly. and, and stuff like that and understanding uh, memetics. Uh, but uh, what I was going to say about that is that on one hand, you have social media companies that were started. Zion, by the way. Uh, Sorry Zion. to interrupt. Oh, good. Zion. Good. We Continue. Can play, we can play the Bob Marley song. Uh, <laughs> so when you were thinking about about this kind of like utopian kind of kind of version after the uh, after the Communications Decency Act of 1996 with Section 230, you had uh, you had a famous uh, it was called the Cyberspace Manifesto, uh, and that's uh, you know by one of the, the founders of the uh, Electronic uh, Frontier Foundation that that usually advocates for uh, less kind of restriction on on these social media platforms. Anyways, the Cyberspace Manifesto, if you read it, it's kind of fascinating because they're, they're basically saying that, you know, we're the people of the, of the web, right? We're the people of the, of the web and that there's no laws that, that should apply to us, right? Because what it was thinking about at the, in the late 90s was that the, that, that's, that the internet or, or the web was, was really separate. Was it, it's almost its own world or its own nation, so part of the underlying battle that's actually going on right now is we don't even know what the web is, right? I mean, at the end of the day, we don't know what the web is because should it be its own entity or is it, is it part of a nation state? And this is, this is where it's getting really dicey for social media companies because social media companies operate in so many different countries, right? And if you're Facebook, that's really complicated. How do you, how do you do that? How do you create rules that are that that work in both the United States and Turkey? That so have it's almost like a like a decentralized state. It has become a decentralized state, or a lot of people would say that that uh, you know a social media company can become its own nation. Uh, but what's difficult about this is because these are still American companies. Section two thirty uh, has ha- has had a profound impact on all of these other nations that are utilizing, you know, uh, these social media companies, but are really getting these kind of American norms baked inside of it. So that's a, another complicated mm. part, uh, part about this. But what, what we've seen to kind of tie this conversation back together is that you have Trump right now, uh, you know, kind of threatening to say, hey, you know, am I going to revoke Section 230? Most people think that that's not going to happen. But one of the things that, that, hasn't been pointed out that that should get pointed out is that we have curtailed section 230 slightly over the years. A prime example of where this got tested was with uh, Craigslist, right? Uh, Joe, you ever use, I'm sure you're on Craigslist a bunch. Sure. Do you remember? uh, Why do you assume I'm on Craigslist a bunch? (laughs) I don't know. Everybody's (laughs) on. Why is that an assumption of me? Everybody Uh, gets... Everybody gets I, uh, you know stuff on. on, on you know, Craigslist. I sold a boat. I sold. Uh, I sold a boat engine for my fa- my father had an old boat motor. 
and I sold it from on Craigslist. Well, there you go. But it's the most recent transaction I've had on Craigslist. So you used it for a positive uh, purpose. But do you remember a couple of years ago, there used to be something called casual encounters? Yes. You remember casual encounters? It was, like a, it was pre-tender, wasn't it? Yes. And what, what happened with casual encounters is that Craigslist made a lot of money from this, right? I think people were, were paying uh, to, to make certain posts. But uh, what it was used for in certain circumstances was uh, prostitution. Mm. So it tested Section 230 because what was happening, and then you had a company like Backpage that got sued over this. What was happening was these intermediaries were serving as a marketplace for prostitution. And uh, there would be people who would go after, after Craigslist to say, get rid of casual encounters. You are hosting the, the, this, this activity that's illegal. So should you as a company get in trouble? So it really tested, uh, you know, section, section 230. And mm-hmm. what they did is they created a law going after, uh, after this kind of specific issue which kind of allowed for for kind of more flexibility. And that's why you don't see casual encounters anymore, right? So my point is, as as time has gone by, we've started to really test how we want these companies to act. What, what should their role be? And right now, we're kind of speaking out of a lot of different sides of our mouth. Because on one hand, we want Twitter and Facebook and others, we want them to, to edit their content. We want them to moderate the content because we're, we're saying constantly, well, we, we, we don't want cyber bullies, right? We, we don't want misinformation about COVID-19. Yeah. But all of that, all of those statements are actually going in the opposite direction of saying that this is a uh, completely neutral intermediary or a conduit for information. So let me ask you a question. Yeah. Um, what do you advise people to do? What would be, let's say you were the yeah. leader of a big grassroots movement, mm-hmm. right? And uh, you had some influence in Washington. What would you, what would you be lobbying for? Uh, and what would you be asking your citizens to contribute? What no we pressure. need to do, no pressure. What we need to do is we need to come under a better understanding of the rights and responsibilities for uh, these tech companies, for, specifically with social media companies, because what is happening is you have a lot of good actors who are trying to create a situation that the general public wants, but at the same time, the general public oftentimes wants things that are in uh, opposing kind of directions. So, for example, every time a company takes something down, somebody's upset and somebody's happy. Therefore, what, what do you do? Right. It's a very delicate position that these these companies are are in. So what needs to happen is uh, we need to have legal changes. You know, we need to have advocacy around this of saying, here's what we see social media companies as. And here's what we see as their responsibility. And here's the teeth for that. Here's what happens when they. Uh, when they when they kind of like breach their their duty, right? So they have this duty of responsibility, and here's what happens when they're they're falling below that. Because right now we're we're still in this kind of weird twilight zone because 
we're telling them they don't have to moderate, but then they, they want to moderate because they also realize their role. So the problem really is that we sometimes like to think of social media companies as a messenger, right? So if you're on Twitter, you have your, your followers. So it's your voice. Twitter is the conduit to your, your followers. That's one way to think about it. And I think that's... It goes back to that post, uh, post office analogy you the made. The post office, right? Because that's the way that, that Trump is, is kind of framing it. Because he's saying, listen, you know, I've got all these followers and, and don't take away from my, my voice. What's tricky about that statement is, at the end of the day, he's the president of the United States. He has a very large platform and nobody's stopping him from doing press conferences. Nobody's even stopping him from doing his own you know, WordPress, right? Like if you want to just go and, and he could be on live stream 24 hours a day. Nobody's stopping he could him. Issue, he could issue a government uh, social media company. Yeah. He right. could propose that. Yeah. Well, actually, that that's where some people have said, hey, do we ever need like a BBC of social media? Yeah. Would, that, would that, you know, take away some of these, uh, these, these incentives and issues we're having? But to go with that, that point is that if we think of a social media company as a conduit, as merely a conduit, you would never want to have somebody get in the way of that because you would say, well, it's just me to, to them. And what's the issue? Where, where it's become complicated is that we've started realizing over time as social media companies have evolved that they're not really acting as a conduit, but they're not merely a megaphone. They're actually an amplifier. And what it means is that they get a lot of choices of deciding how long, how, uh, how large your megaphone is or how loud your megaphone is and how loud my megaphone is, which gives them a lot of options to either turn off my megaphone or lower the volume. And what, Does that make them an editor? That's what, you know, that's what some people w would argue is that the very idea of having an algorithm that is uh, benefiting certain speech over other types of speech is some level of editorial control because you're really kind of showcasing what is preferred uh, speech, uh, right? And and also you're that's affecting what what people are hearing. That's why that's why it's not a public square. Like imagine visually if everybody entered a public square, but somebody would talk and I couldn't hear them, and another person talks and it's super loud, and then and then I get a little message that's a notification that says I should listen to this person talk. Right. That's mm. not a freaking public square. We need to stop yeah. saying that it's not a public square. Right. But anyways. Uh, yeah. How are you going to make me feel better? You told oh, me. I forgot that part. I mean, you know, I've been like, I've been on this 15 rant. minutes ago. You're like, <laughs> I'm going to make you feel better. And I feel uh, worse. No, 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 no. You, you got to go. You got to go in it to get out of it. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> Sometimes you got to steer into gotta, the, you, gotta, you know, when you slip, slip on black ice, you have to steer into yeah. the turn. So you get the car back on the road. <laughs> Listen, it's, it's, it's going to get better because three years ago, four years ago, when I was talking about section 230, nobody was listening. And nobody understood it. You know, they're just like, ah, I don't know, whatever. And then it wouldn't get listed in the articles and stuff, right? Because you do these interviews and then they cherry pick the quote that they, you know, that fits into uh, to the article. Whereas now, 
you have media that's that's hungry for saying, well, can I say let's, something? Let's talk about it. Yeah, you're please. Basically, you're basically saying it's getting better because more people are listening to me. No, no, no. No, more <laughs> people are listening. That's authoritarian <laughs> of you, which no. is exactly what these social media companies are and want more. You're, you're taking me out of context. You're taking me out of context. <laughs> what I mean by that is that Social media and understanding social media is a, uh, a major seismic paradigm shift, right? Because it's a whole different new entity. But, you know, every society goes through a, a messy kind of learning curve or growing pains with that of saying, all right, well, what is this thing? And what box do we put it in? And, and how do we control it? So what I was saying really is getting at the fact that we're coming under a better understanding about what social media is and what it isn't and what role it should have. So the fact that more people are talking about this, right, is a good yeah. thing. No, because I, that I, leads I'm, I'm to messing an with you. Yeah, yeah. I'm messing with you. It's, I, I'm, it's so... I'm optimistic that these conversations are happening yeah. and there's more understanding of it. And uh, the spotlight needs to go behind the curtain and on the nitty gritty of all this stuff on exactly. the, for the yeah. law of it and on the company side of it. And uh, the tension and the fractures right now that are, we are facing, um, people are looking the right way. I feel like yeah. maybe not exactly where they should be looking, but we're, we're getting more of a grasp of like, oh, why are these happening? And we're, there's a lot of distractions, but we are focusing that laser beam closer to the right spot, if that makes I sense. I think we are. Yeah. We're, um, on we're, that note, we have to wrap up. because we are. we do. Yeah. Yeah. And but, I have one last question for you because we mentioned please. before about uh, what kind of, uh, is it, I, at least I brought it up that, social media is like a deconstructed state so if social media was a country right let's say all these social media companies were um a uh, a country with citizens yeah. what kind of country would they be would they be a democracy would they be a dictatorship uh, how, do, how do you see them as a nation it's interesting you say that that's interesting <laughs> but wait a minute wait a minute where i'm gonna go with this might not end on a happy note but <laughs> I know. No, I, I want to hear the actual answer though, because this is something I thought about. <laughs> okay, uh, I have thought about this as well. I know you have. The bind that Facebook is in right now, yeah, is 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 very delicate, right? The reason why they're starting the, you know, they started their Facebook oversight board. Uh, Zuckerberg has come out saying he's not the arbiter of, of truth. He was on Fox News talking about this. The reason why he's saying that. Is, is because as a company, they want to delegate that authority. So the, the irony of a lot of this is that social media companies have gained power, but they don't want this power. At the end of the day, they just want to sell you ads, right? They don't want the power of deciding what is uh, appropriate speech and what is not appropriate speech because these are nuanced, messy issues that are uh, you know nightmares to, to handle because we... we are never going to agree on this. We're always going to be fighting over, uh, you know, expression and speech and appropriate norms of behavior, things like that. But what the, the problem that I see is that everything in the media right now is basically saying, well, then what should Mark Zuckerberg do? What should Jack Dorsey do? This is insanely problematic. And here's why. I'm 
as an American, I, I would be against that type of thinking because as Twitter and Facebook and other social media companies, but them speci specifically, as they become these kind of nation states, right? That would mean that our relationship to them should be as a, a leader that we could have checks and balances over in our American political, you know, system where let's say for the president, you know, you have a reelection every, every, uh, four years. And, and we even say, you know, uh, it's an arms of, of behavior to not to have them over, over two terms. We think about that because we, we don't want to have a situation where somebody becomes too strict of a, a ruler or it has such a large imprint, right? That's the problem that, that Facebook and Twitter, but specifically Facebook are going to face because the media hasn't connected the dots on this, but the way that Facebook issues their stocks, they have two dramatically different, uh, you know, classes of shares, which basically means that if you and I have one share of, of Facebook, we like to think of it that we both have one share of Facebook. But if I then have a stipulation to say, well, my share of Facebook has 20 times the voting power of yours, then that, that, makes a situation that if I own these types of types of shares, these different classes of shares, that I would have very large amount of control. So as it's set up right now, uh, Zuckerberg, you know, it's not like he can be kicked out of office, so to speak, because he has uh, the majority of voting power, not the majority of the shares. And this was an innovation that was started by uh, the founders of Google that initially didn't want to get kicked out of their own company because these these founders, they were learning from Steve Jobs. And they said, man, Steve Jobs, you know, uh, he got kicked out of Apple. He got kicked out of his own company that he, that he co-founded. So uh, they didn't want that situation to happen to them. But where I see this as a major problem that's going to, to, to reach a fever pitch is that if Facebook is seen as a country that has the authority to dictate speech, then, then the American public would also expect a relationship with that company as a citizen. And as a citizen, you have the right of voting people in and out of office. You have the, citizen, you have the right to have your voice heard. This is the struggle that's going on. This is why recently uh, Facebook held a virtual walkout when the, a lot of the workers disagreed with the, the leadership. It's a big fight that's going on. A few have tweeted that they've left. Yeah. Well, because the fight is basically saying that uh, Facebook should be Facebook. Facebook shouldn't equate solely to, to Mark Zuckerberg, right? Because then you have uh, w w what's called a benevolent dictatorship problem, is that you should not rely on benevolence of a leader in order to have a well-functioning society. You need to have the natural checks and balances that would allow for citizens to kind of properly express themselves. This is an episode in itself. Yeah, I mean, can, I think yeah. that's the next one. So, so the short answer is dic dictatorship. Well, the short answer is that uh, if if Facebook and Twitter, if they are a country, then it should not be beholden to one leader. The same thing. Jack Dorsey has reminds, a lot. Everything you're saying makes me think of Russia. I feel like they're they have the same issues with yeah. uh, mm -hmm. the the um, 
they're condensing their power. Sure. Well, they did have the issue originally how right Putin gained power because they had the separation of the president and prime minister, and then how they made yeah. one of them with less less power, uh, and then extended the the terms uh, recently as well. But yeah, I mean, it's a it's a major thing that that as an American we like to think about is that you don't want to consolidate power. It's a consolidation of power is always a bad idea, right? Absolute power corrupts absolutely. So what social media companies are going to do, and I think they, they know this, right? They do know this. What they need to do is they need to start delegating this power and they're going to start allowing some level of checks and balances. And actually a lot of companies kind of have this, this type of role where you might have a governmental actor inside of, a, of another issue. Even with our own government, that's why you have a lot of individuals who might have more of a watchdog type of role. And I and really think you're going to see the same thing with a lot of social media companies. You're going to see a greater kind of integration uh, in, in maybe social media companies in the future are going to be seen in this kind of quasi-governmental uh, capacity because they have adopted yeah. a lot of the... Uh, a lot of the responsibilities that we that normally would reside with uh, with the kind of checks and balances of our government. I'm trying so hard to conclude, but I, I no, my but brain wants to ask more. That's why you have to be more. optimistic because yeah, uh, we're we're fighting over this, and it's a good fight because it's an important fight. Can and, I ask you know, one more quick question, please? Antitrust is 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 this like an antitrust issue? I don't think it's an antitrust issue. Uh, I mean, that's a whole separate part uh, about. Uh, you know, whether we're, we're creating monopolies, that's, a you know, another episode we could do. But this is really an issue of determining somebody's ability to communicate is a, a immense power. And it's something that we never want to take lightly. And again, that's why we fight over the uh, the laws that we have in this in this country around speech, because we we want to make sure that we're treating people equally. And this doesn't always fit perfectly with terms of service and community guidelines. And that's the way social media companies do it. And the issue is because uh, it's hard to make it hard to make it scalable. And then when we see everything going on with Twitter and uh, Trump, that's, that's another kind of accusation is that, you know, is Trump treated differently because he's the president? And most people would say yes. And, and that is uh, against the very idea if terms of service are equivalent to the law. And this is, again, uh, the, the part that yeah. we as the public are thinking terms of service are basically a legal framework, whereas they're not technically, you know, they don't carry the same level of, of weight. Uh, but we need to leave this on an optimistic standpoint. So, yeah. so again, I, I, yeah. my optimistic thing is, like you said before, uh, people getting educated on it yeah. and knowing that the powers with the people to quote John Lennon, all tech stuff should be quoted, uh, should end with a John Lennon quote. But yeah, uh, people get informed about it and you can make a huge difference by, um, you know, <laughs> who you put into power in the government. Yeah. It comes down to who you elect. I and think if it they're does. smart enough to to know this shit, it, it, when you have a bunch of people that don't even know how Facebook makes money, yeah. how are they going to regulate it? That's true. So, or in, you know, the, in it, the future, it, it, we might elect our social yeah. media officials. <laughs> you know, you don't know. Yeah. I, I really think we're, that's where we're moving. I, I like to. I see us electing a bot first. Yeah. I can see us getting, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> some bot twenty twenty or or twenty twenty four or whatever. I, who knows? You know, maybe yeah. maybe we do need a bot to turn around twenty twenty. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
Cool, <laughs> design it, though. Nowhere to go but oh, uh, no. 2020. Come on. Uh, but, yeah. Hey, we appreciate you uh, you listening uh, about this. We know that it's a convoluted issue. So uh, if you're listening, again, uh, thank you uh, for for, uh, for for being connected with us at Funniest Tech. And uh, do reach out. So, uh, yeah, I think that's a good way to, uh, to end it. But, again, we know that it's crazy times. We know this is just one issue out of many that everybody's facing. So for everybody out there, uh, hopefully uh, all is well, and, and we hope you're safe. I'm going to go take a cold shower. That's it. Thanks for listening to the Funniest Tech Podcast. New episodes are every Monday. You can text or call us at 646-687-6309. Leave us a message, and it might be featured on a future episode. Please rate and review us on iTunes and Google Play. That really helps us out. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the handle at FunnyAsTech. And for more additional information, go to www.funniestech.com. Funny as tech, tech.